I'ma let y'all do all the writing. And I'ma let y'all do all the all of that. Y'all see us fighting every single night. Y'all see what we have. Y'all see what we don't have. Y'all do all the talking. But you know, one thing about me, I'ma be riding with my guys. Period. No matter what. We win, lose, or draw, we down 25, get come back and beat. I'm riding with my guys. Until that changes, until those guys change, or until whatever happens, I'm riding with my dudes. So, y'all can do all the speculating, do, <laughs> write y'all stories about what we need, what we don't have, what I'm doing, what I'm not doing. It is what it is. I'm riding with my guys, though. This is Damian Lillard, and you're listening to The Briefcase with Casey Holdog. Greetings, Blizzard fans, and welcome to The Briefcase, episode 19. Briefcase. I am your host, Casey Holdall, Trailblazers.com, and it has been a rough week in Rip City, folks. After it seemed like perhaps the Trailblazers had figured a few things out, a sentiment that I voiced on this very podcast just a few days ago, the Blazers have lost three straight and are now as low in the Western Conference standings as they've been all season long. And off the court, we lost two legends in the Trailblazers broadcasting world, one who is front and center for almost the entirety of the team's history, and the other who is quite literally behind the scenes of some of the most important moments in Trailblazers history. We'll say our goodbyes on this edition of The Briefcase. After ending a five-game losing streak with back-to-back wins versus the good Dallas Mavericks team, it seemed like the Trailblazers were actually moving in the right direction. The turnover issues they were having seemed to be abated. They were getting players back and healthy, particularly guys coming off the bench like Nasir Little and Gary Payton too. And the hope was that even though they hadn't won games versus teams like the Cavaliers and the Nuggets, that they had played well enough to give themselves a chance to go into an extended homestand with a chance to actually put some wins together. Unfortunately, that has not been the case. After returning home from Denver, they lose to the 76ers 105-95 in a game where it never really seemed like they were going to win. And then Sunday night, you lose to the Los Angeles Lakers. You go down early. I think it was 14-2 early in the game. You come back. You have literally one of the best quarters in franchise history. You outscore the Lakers by 32 points in the second quarter, the most the Blazers have ever outscored a team by in their entire franchise history to go into the half leading by 20-plus. You come out in the third quarter, you lose it again, you end up falling 121-112 to the Los Angeles Lakers, the hated Los Angeles Lakers at Moda Center in the second of a six-game homestand, and at which point you fall to 13th in the standings. Portland had been ahead of the Lakers the entirety of the season for the most part, just fell below them by losing to the Lakers. They are now in 13th place. Only the Spurs, the team that they play on Monday, and the Rockets are below Portland in the Western Conference standings right now. Not where we expected this team to be this season, period, let alone when they got off to such a great start. And league-wide, the Trailblazers now have the eighth worst record in the NBA. There's still plenty of time to improve. If you look at the Western Conference standings, they're still not out of it by any stretch. But we've been saying that now for a month. And at a certain point, you are the team that you are. And is this who the Trailblazers are this season? I hope not. I know a lot of you out there hope that's not the case. But at a certain point, you can't just keep looking at the standing and saying, yes, we're down, but a lot of other teams are down too. You have to start making some kind of move, even if that means just playing better basketball and not getting wins, which it seemed like they were doing a week and a half ago to where they're at now, where it just seems like something is missing. And with the NBA trade deadline looming, the questions that this team is starting to get now have started to go from questions about how they're playing to questions about what are they going to do in order to improve. And part of that 
is questions about personnel and if they're going to make some kind of trade. Part of that is questions about playing time and who's playing and who's starting, which is why I played the clip of Chauncey Billups at the beginning of the show talking about riding with his guys, because Chauncey has been very reluctant to make any broad wholesale changes, both in his rotation and in terms of talking about what the team might need to do from a personnel perspective. That's not really Chauncey's job anyways, so... Asking him those questions is always a little bit tough for a coach. You know, coaches, you know, they have input in the moves that a team makes, but it's not necessarily their job, particularly when you're coaching the team to say this guy should go or that guy should go. No coach does that. If any coach does do that, he is unlikely to be a coach for very long, which is why we've really moved away from the coach slash executive in the NBA. It doesn't really work in today's NBA. I don't know if it ever worked, but it definitely doesn't work now. It's gotten to the point, too, where Damian Lillard is now starting to get questions asking what he feels like the team should do from a personnel perspective. And Damian's response to those questions has always been the same, which is that my job is to go out and play basketball and put our team in a position to win when I'm on the court. It's not my job to decide who comes, who goes, who stays, who doesn't. And it got a little testy. I wouldn't say too awful testy, but when the team has lost as much as they have recently, everything takes on a certain edge to it that It might be real, it might be perceived, but either way, it comes across just feeling more aggressive than I think it actually is. But long story short, Dame has always made a point of saying that that's not his call, that is something that he leaves to whoever the general manager is. But also when you're the face of the franchise, when you're one of the most important players in franchise history, you are going to get some of those questions, even if you don't feel like they're especially fair. That's just kind of the business. And to be perfectly frank, when you lose to a team like the Lakers after you led by 25 points, no one's going to be happy about anything. And nor should they be. At this point, you would expect the team to be pissed off. I think they are pissed off. I think they're frustrated. And I think that they're looking around the locker room trying to figure out what do we need to do to get better because this is on us. We're the ones who are out there. We're the ones that are letting teams get up double digits on us in the first quarter. We're also the team that outscored a team by 32 points in the second quarter. We've shown that we can do good things and we've shown that we can do bad things. And while a team is a team and it has a lot of moving parts and everyone has some responsibility, at the end of the day, the players have the most responsibility for what happens on the court, particularly in games where there's no reason why they shouldn't have won them. You know, you look at that Laker game on Sunday, there's no reason Portland shouldn't have won that game. And you can talk about coaching, you can talk about personnel, You can talk about injuries, you can talk about style of play, all those things you can make mention of. But the fact of the matter is, is that you put yourself in a position to win that game at various points in the game, and you still came away with a loss, which is something we've seen multiple times from this team, leading by double digits and still coming away with losses. Though I'd say that's a little bit unfair in the Laker game, considering that they were also down by double digits before they were up by double digits. So who's to know what to make of that? Either way, every game isn't necessarily an indication of things you need to do better outside of playing better. And I think Sunday night versus the Lakers, obviously they had some issues with size. LeBron is going to do what he does. Thomas Bryant scoring 31 points on 12 of 15 shooting from the field and four or five shooting from three. That cannot happen. Those are the kind of things that put you in a situation where you're going to have a difficult time winning games, particularly close games. But again, for half that game, they played more than well enough to win. They could have won that game had they done the right things. Turns out they didn't. They end up with a loss, their third straight. A whole lot of questions about this team as they continue this homestand. And one of those questions is whether or not Chauncey Billups is going to make a change to his starting lineup. As I mentioned, he's been quite reluctant to do that. Injuries have caused the Trailblazers to have multiple starting lineups throughout the season. But for the most part, the unit of Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons, Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant, 
and Yusuf Nurkic have started whenever they've been healthy. Billups did seem to indicate after the loss to the Lakers that he would at least consider changes to the lineup. He didn't say anything specifically, but you got the sense from the way that he was answering questions that everything is on the table at this point. And, you know, when you've lost as many games as the Blazers have recently, 12 of their last 16, everything needs to be on the table. And so Chauncey Billups did seem to indicate that he would consider changes, though I'm not exactly sure what changes he really can make. I think people would look to the small forward position and say, well, is Josh Hart maybe better off in the second unit? Is Nasir Little or even Gary Payton too better off as a starting lineup or not even better off? But is that just something we should try considering we've had difficulty with starts in games? I don't think that boils down to Josh by any stretch. But again, at this point, you're just looking at making changes in order to try things out. Is that imminent? I'm not entirely sure. I'd be a little bit surprised if the Blazers on the second night of a back-to-back changed their starting lineup as they would if they were going to make changes in the game on Monday versus the Spurs. But going forward, particularly with a couple days off this week, I could definitely see something happening there. But other than that, what else can you do? Are you going to start Drew Eubanks? I don't know about that. Are you going to send Ant to the bench? I would be shocked if that happened. I mean, this team has a hierarchy because for the most part, the guys who are starting are better than the guys that are behind them. So at a certain point, I think it's hard to assume that changes like that are going to make a ton of difference. If the team is, continues to play the way they have played lately, if they continue to have issues late in games as they have, if they continue to have issues holding on to leads as they've had, that doesn't boil down to any one guy. That doesn't boil down to just the starting lineup either. But again, when you're you're struggling as the Blazers have as of late, you try anything. And I think as of right now, the Blazers are close to the point where they're going to try anything. Any port in a storm. Well, after all that ranting and rambling, let's go ahead and get to the stats we're tracking all season long here on the briefcase. After 46 games, Trailblazers sit in 13th place in the Western Conference standings with a record of 21 wins and 25 losses. Trailblazers are 11 and a half games behind the Nuggets in first, two and a half games behind the Clippers in sixth, which is the cutoff to escape the play-in, and seven games ahead of the Spurs in 14th. So basically the Trailblazers are about as low as they can go in the Western Conference without actively trying to lose, which is not a great spot to be in just past the midway point of the season, even if the teams above you haven't really made much of a move either. The Blazers are 11th in offensive rating, which is unchanged from last time we checked in, at 114.1 points scored per 100 possessions. And on the other side of the ball, Portland is 21st in defensive rating, which is actually one spot better than last week, at 114.1 points allowed per 100 possessions. And since their offensive rating and their defensive rating is exactly the same, their net rating is zero, which ties them with the Timberwolves and the Heat for 16th in the league. Again, still hovering around league average in net rating, but league average isn't probably going to be good enough to get you into the postseason this year. And in regard to the betting lines, the Trailblazers are 24 and 22 this season versus the spread after failing to cover in their last three games. They were five and a half point underdogs to the Nuggets and lost by nine. They were two and a half point dogs to the Sixers and lost by 10. And they were six point favorites versus the Lakers and ended up losing by nine. That trend that I mentioned last week about Portland almost always failing to cover in losses and almost always covering in wins continues unabated. In that regard, at least they're consistent. Finally, moving on to things that are far more important than basketball games, we said goodbye to two giants, as I mentioned, of Trailblazers broadcasting. Bill Shonley, the longtime voice of the Portland Trailblazers, arguably the most important Trailblazer in franchise history, definitely one of the most celebrated people in franchise history. Bill Shonley passing away on Saturday at the age of 93, and also our friend John Curry, longtime cameraman for the Portland Trailblazers, passed away last Thursday after running camera for Portland for nearly 40 years. 
two guys who really kind of embody different ends of the spectrum. In Sean's, you had a guy who was front and center almost the entirety of the organization's existence. One of the team's first employees called basically every game for 20 plus years, was involved as an ambassador after he stopped broadcasting, a regular fixture at games, a regular fixture at events, someone whose enthusiasm and passion for the Portland Trailblazers is responsible for so much of the way that this fan base has been cultivated throughout the years. One of the reasons why we have such great fans that we do is because of Bill Shonley. His ability to paint the picture and to tell the stories of this team was so unique and so quality that he really helped put this team on a path to success with their fan base. Sean's was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame a few years ago. And again, when you consider how important individuals can be to an organization, you typically always consider the players and the coaches, maybe some executives from time to time, but for the most part, that's kind of where it stops. But when you exist as a real conduit between the fans and the team, as Bill Shonley did throughout his career, you inhabit a level that is far beyond just being a broadcaster. Bill Shonley might be one of the most famous Oregonians of all time. You go to any place in this state, almost everyone knows who Bill Shonley is. They know more about Bill Shonley than they know about a lot of the players and a lot of the coaches that have come through this organization throughout the years. And there's a reason for that because he cared, he was thoughtful, he put in the work, and he made it about the team. Bill had a chance to say his goodbyes last year, actually, in the final game of the season. Bill retired from being an alumni ambassador. We'd had an opportunity to celebrate Bill while he was still around, which is what you should try to do when you understand the inevitability of life. So I wanted to play just a little bit of what Bill Shonley had to say in that ceremony last season as he stepped away officially from his role as an ambassador. A great night, a special night. I was really glad the team was able to do it. And I just wanted to play some of that again because it really felt to me at the time that Bill was saying his goodbyes to a lot of us. This is something that I never expected in my lifetime to be standing in front of you and people watching and listening all over the great Pacific Northwest this fold. I have done many, many events such as this, but always for somebody else. And to have it happen for me, thank you very much. All the people that have worked in this building, the the building next door, Memorial Coliseum, this building, the ushers, the workers, the television people, radio people, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. You're great. I want you to do something for me tonight, and then I'll say goodbye. This is a touching situation for me on a personal basis. Oh, I forgot somebody else before I get into this. My wife, Dottie.
Now, one more thing. I want you to do this for me. It also belongs to you, but I want you to do this for me. First of all, in life, as in the game of basketball, it means the same, and if you do the right thing, it normally turns out to be right. You've got to make your free throws. Now, one more thing, and then this old codger will end his association with the Trailblazers on a big, uh, uh, I'm, I'm at a loss for words, just I'm going to miss it, I'm going to miss it. But here it is. Do this for me, everybody in the building, watching on television listening on the radio. One more time for me. On the count of three, I want you to say, Rip City All Right. And let me hear it. One, two, three. Fans, one more time, let's hear it for the mayor of Rip City, Bill Donnelly. So there you go. Some of Bill Shonley's final public comments before his passing at 93 years old. Consolences to Dottie and the rest of the Shonley family. But, you know, at least it felt like we kind of got to say goodbye to the Shons. You know, it happened too soon. Obviously, it's always sad when a person passes on. But I think Bill Shonley knew how people felt about him. I think that throughout his career, he received so much appreciation from the fans that I don't think Bill Shonley left this world not knowing how much people cared about him. And that's important. I don't know that the same could be said for John Curry. Uh, John, as I mentioned, uh, had been running camera for the Trailblazers for nearly 40 years. And not just for the Trailblazers, actually, uh, for the arena as well. The way that it works, actually. So so a lot of people that work on the broadcast aren't actually Trailblazers employees necessarily. They're in a union, and then they contract with the team. And, you know, so guys kind of come and go, though generally – a lot of the guys stay on because it's a pretty good job, and I think a lot of guys generally enjoy it. And so Curry was a guy who, after getting out of the Navy, many of our people who work in our broadcast are, are former veterans. Uh, you know, John takes a job uh, running camera with the Portland Trailblazers and uh, makes a career out of it. For 39 seasons, John Curry sitting on the baseline, blazer camera four, getting shots of games and events and concerts and bull riding sessions. If you followed John on, on Twitter or Instagram, you saw that uh, he was recently at the PBR tour uh, that was here in Portland. And uh, just a guy who loved the Trailblazers immensely, loved the Oregon Ducks, loved sports, loved his federal veterans, and just loved being a part of the action. And, you know, throughout the years, you know, there's so many photos and videos, never typically of John Curry, but of John Curry in the background working. So... Anything you see on the court, if you get a baseline shot, a lot of times there's Curry, Blazer Camera 4, sitting on the floor with the camera on his shoulder, following the action, taking a significant amount of punishment throughout the years for that as well. I mean, I, I think we see almost every single game, a cameraman gets cleaned out by a player who can't stop himself. He's running out of bounds. And uh, 
Curry was that guy for a lot of years um, through multiple broadcast teams, through multiple iterations of the team, through different arenas the team has been in, different names of the arenas. John Curry was there to cover that action. And uh, it was a shock to hear that he had passed the last Thursday, um, affected a lot of people. And again, Curry is someone who, you know, someone like myself who tries to do the job to the best of my ability without necessarily making it about myself. Um, you know, John's a kind of guy who I think a lot of us in that kind of situation can look up to and can respect because, you know, he really did make it about the work and he loved the work. He was always on time, never missed shifts, always had a smile on his face, always had a story to tell, always wanted to shoot the ball with you about whatever happened to be going on with the team. Just a constant in Blazers broadcasting for nearly four decades. And now he's gone. And um, I hope people remember John Curry. Uh, I hope that even if you didn't know him, I hope that if you're listening to this podcast, you know that a lot of the things you saw if you watch broadcasts throughout the years, be it on the big screen, be it on television, be it at press conferences, be it in the locker room prior to games, which is where Curry often was shooting, a lot of things you saw are due to John Curry. And I think to give an impression of just how important he was to people in the organization, I want to play the clip from Damian Lillard at practice this weekend in which he talked about John Curry. Now, this is the team's franchise player. Six-time All-Star, top 75 player of all time, surefire Hall of Famer, arguably, at least for some, the best trailblazer of all time. I don't think it's arguable, but that's one man's opinion. And Dame talked at length about John Curry, a guy who ran camera in the arena. And granted, he ran camera in the arena for the entire time that Damien has been with the organization, but I still think it gives a really good impression of two things. One, of just how consistent and quality John Curry was and what kind of a person Damian Lillard is to have had a relationship with a guy who just runs camera in the arena. And, you know, I found out about Curry's passing before I got to the game last Thursday and I was sitting on the bench and Dame came over and we started talking and he mentioned it to me. He's like, can you believe about Curry? And again, this is a guy who has just about anything you could ever want who has attained levels that most of us couldn't even dream of. And yet he still knows on a first name basis, a guy like John Curry, which again, I think says a lot about Curry. I think it says a lot about Dame. So here's Dame's comments about John Curry's passing at practice this weekend. That was also a, just a, a sad situation. Um, me and he knew I was a huge fan of boxing. You know, Curry knew I was a huge fan of boxing. Um, so every day that I came into the locker room, he would always point the camera at me because he wanted me to face off with the camera, you know. So that was like an inside thing that we had. But um, um, being with the organization for, you know, 39 years, um, you know, the, the way he supported me, uh, you know, he always wore my shoes. Uh, you know, we always had little offside conversations. Um, him being a vet, you know, what he did for vets, knowing what they go through when they return home and the struggles that they face, um, you know, him taking initiative and uh, being responsible just from his, his own experience and, uh, you know, taking the time to, to do something like that, you know, I think it speaks to who he was as a man. Um, and just being so much more than the person behind the camera, you know what I mean? But, uh, 
you know, if you go around the, the organization, you take a walk around the arena, a lot of people uh, were emotional the other day because of who he was, you know, the kind of man that he was. So uh, another guy I was, you know, glad to get to know, you know, and not somebody that I just walked by every day and, um, you know, we know each other's face but didn't know each other, you know, so I, I, I'm happy that um, I was able to actually know him. Um, you know, and just sad to sad to see him go. You know, uh, especially when it's so unexpected. And um, you know, you just never know what people are going through. Uh, you never know what they're going through personally. You never know what people's situation is as far as their health. Um, so just unfortunate, man. You know, you uh, even before that game, I was just like, man, when they told me, it just kind of threw me off. But um, you know, I think just with with Curry and with Sean's, you know, I think it just uh, makes for an extremely sad week for for the organization. So there you go, Damian Lillard discussing his relationship with John Curry and also briefly his relationship with the Shans. He actually talked more about his relationship with the Shans earlier in practice. You can go to Trailblazers.com or to Trailblazers' YouTube page to listen to the full entirety of Damian's comments. And that's going to do it for us on this edition of The Briefcase. Sorry it's been such a downer, folks, but uh, between the gameplay and you know some of the losses in our Blazers community, it's, uh, like I mentioned, has been a great week. Here's to hopefully better things ahead, both on and off the court. Blazers have control of one of those things. None of us really have control of the others. So thank you for joining us on this edition of The Briefcase. We'll be back later this week. Please like and subscribe. Take care. Go